Cupcakes At the crack of dawn, Bev mixes the batter for the birthday cupcakes. She knows it's now or never. House will be bedlam within an hour. Less, a madhouse, an insane asylum. And then Tom, the CPA with the oh-so-important job, will be off to the office for the next 12 hours, and it'll be four-on-one. Bev sighs, but keeps moving. She creams the butter and measures the flour. She can't believe Molly is suddenly three, or will be this afternoon. And next month, the twins turn two. And tiny Allie, two weeks tomorrow. She came out of the blue, has some breathing issues. Just more fear and stress. Bev hears herself mutter, four kids under three. God help me. Molly was born in the early afternoon after a grueling pregnancy and a brutal 12-hour labor that started before midnight and wore Bev down to a frazzle. Finally, around nine the following morning, the pain overwhelming, she'd given in and taken the epidural. And she told Tom that night, lying on the hospital bed, trying to nurse, take a good look at your little girl, partner, because she's the only one you get, at least for me. I'm one and done. Nine months of morning sickness, night and day, and then that labor? I can't go through that hell again. Famous last words. No sex after the birth for six to eight weeks. Doctor's orders. But once they got the green light, they had some very sweet, quiet, tender lovemaking with wee Molly asleep in the antique bassinet at the foot of the bed. And after, at a whisper, they discussed various types of birth control. The pill, IUD, condoms, diaphragm, contraceptive sponge. These post-coital discussions went on for a few weeks, and then for a couple of months. They went on too long. Bev got prego again. With twins this time, Kate and Tom Jr., Tommy. Born exactly 400 days after big sister Molly. Irish triplets. Bev adds all the ingredients into the mixing bowl, twists the bowl onto the base of the mixer, but hesitates to turn the mixer on. She knows the slightest noise might wake the baby sleeping on her blanket on the floor in the living room. Allie will immediately begin to cry, which will wake up Tommy, who will immediately bark a list of demands, a diaper change being first on his list. The boy poops like ten times a day, a pooping machine. His demands will bring Kate and Molly wide awake, and the pandemonium will begin, 45 minutes earlier than usual. Bev, needless to say, does not start the mixer. Nor does she reheat her lukewarm coffee in the microwave. Opening and closing the door, the damn buzzer blaring at the end of the 30-second reheat, any noise at all will bring Allie from her infant slumber. So Bev takes her coffee into the dining room and sits, and starts to cry. She has these crying fits every few hours, usually in the bathroom so the kids don't see or hear. She never gets to cry for long. A disaster can occur at any moment. 
choking, falling down the stairs, poisoning, strangling in the cords of the blinds, drowning in the tub. Bev refuses to allow herself to admit this, but she has had thoughts of doing these things to the children. All the things that she is on earth to prevent, she has considered doing. Thoughts of harming the children. She knows this is not good. Not good at all. The mood swings and the trouble sleeping, the irritability and the crying, all run-of-the-mill new baby blues stuff. Just ask her mother. When Bev tries to talk to her mother, tell her how she's feeling, mom says, Oh, Bev, don't be so dramatic. You've always been so dramatic. Or when she chats up her best pal, Bonnie. Still no hubby, no kitties. That's perfectly normal stuff, Bev. I just read something in Cosmo about it. Having a kid is like, well, it's like life-changing. And you, you've got four. Now, Bev likes to believe what Mom and Bonnie say. And so even the anxiety and the hopelessness and the loss of appetite she suffers all with a shrug. What girl in her right mind with four kids under three wouldn't indulge in a bit of postpartum depression? After all, any and all freedoms Bev enjoyed prior to motherhood are now relics of the past, gone forever. But, but, but Bev knows there's more. She can't deny it no matter how hard she tries. The confusion and the disorientation the paranoia that Tom is on purpose trying to drive her mad, and the crazy thoughts of harming the children. This, Bev knows, is some, some very irrational and insane stuff. Just, just four years ago, Bev was single, living with Bonnie in their two-bedroom apartment in the city. A job at the magazine, doing editing and layout, going to bars, Nick games at the garden, down to the beach, down to Jamaica, foot loose and free, an occasional boyfriend, never for more than a month or two. But then, out of the blue, she hit 30, and all those wild hormones kicked in and took over, and suddenly Tom, who'd been kind of just hanging around the periphery, slipping in and out of the business office, looked like a combination of Brad Pitt and Tom Brady. Plus, her mom liked him. And so what? They got married, and she got pregnant, and Bev quit her job, and they bought this snazzy house out in the suburbs, which she absolutely fucking loathes. San fucking Quentin. But here they all are, all six of them. Bev sighs. It all happened so fast, in the blink of the proverbial eye. And now this, now, now, now these crazy thoughts. She glances at her watch. It won't be long now. Fifteen minutes and the monsters will stir from their lairs. No signs of mental illness throughout adolescence or early adulthood. Other than that, that brief episode back in high school, junior year, when she went through a little obsessive-compulsive thing for a few months, maybe a year or so. Thoughts would get in her head, and she wouldn't be able to push them out, drive them away. Parents sent her to a therapist. Stupid woman. Only made things worse. 
wanted Bev to explore her feelings, get in touch with her inner self, be willing to expand. What tripe. Bev just wants to run for her life. She wants to get in the minivan and drive to the other side of the country, invent a new identity, become a whole different person, get a job as a cocktail waitress, get laid by a different guy every single night. Now, these thoughts, too, she knows, are completely off the wall. She's never had these thoughts before. She's always been a good, stable, steady girl. Still, it would be the right and proper thing to do, to get away from the children, before she, before she harms them. Bev hears Tommy moving around in his crib. He'll start to babble soon, and then sing, and then shout, Mom! 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 She'll never get those cupcakes made now. Never. She'll never get the laundry into the washer, the dirty dishes into the dishwasher, the dust and grime into the vacuum cleaner, the toast into the toaster, or into the children. She'll never get a shower. Never again. Her hair will be awful and greasy until the end of time. She'll never again sit at a small round table at an outdoor cafe with her best friend Bonnie and sip an ice-cold pomegranate martini and check out the boys walking the wide boulevard. Her crying becomes a bit more audible, a bit more desperate. Tommy shouts again, Mom! 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 Allie starts to cry. Kate mimics her twin brother. Mom! 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 Molly races into the dining room. It's my birthday, my third birthday. I'm the birthday girl. All day, today's my birthday. Cakes and cupcakes all day, all day, all day. What is up, Bev wonders, with all this repetition? Why do these children have to repeat everything over and over and over? The repetition drives Bev to distraction, brings her to the edge of rage. Allie cries louder. Mom, mom, mom. Tom touches her shoulder. She looks up. He's shaved, showered, bright-eyed, dressed, and ready to embrace the world. He's ready to get the hell out of here. You okay, he asks. You look like, like, like maybe you were crying. She fakes a smile. Tears of joy. Hey, stiff upper lip, kid. Never give up the ship. Love you more than life itself. His cliches make her sick. He speaks in nothing but cliches. If he could speak with emojis, he would. What the hell was she thinking marrying this dipwad? When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I hate you, she wants to say, but manages not to. Tom gives her a little peck on the cheek and heads for the kitchen. He inhales a quick bowl of cornflakes and begins the countdown to take off. Seconds later, he's out the door and on his way to undiscovered galaxies. The cupcakes, she calls after him. But he's gone. Long gone. The cupcakes, she shouts again, sobbing now, agitated, maybe delusional. God, she hopes not suicidal or infanticidal. I have to finish the cupcakes. She never does. <laughs>